Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to the HP Podcast, a show about video games from the three, yes, three most handsome boys you know. I'm Ben, and with me today is Davey, uh, washed up host of the HP Podcast after only one week. Uh, how, you, how you doing, Dave? I'm doing you well. You did great. Thanks. God. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's good to have you back, Ben, and uh, I, I have a new appreciation for what you do every week. Um, yeah. All the, for, for those of you watching or you know, if you're if you're not watching live, but or just listening, there's a lot of stuff happening on screen, and and uh, there's stuff that we've decided to talk about that doesn't just kind of happen. So I kind of have a new appreciation for uh, what Ben does every every week for the show. So yeah, but you already knew that stuff. You, I guess, you just didn't have to do it yourself before. Having never done it, it I have a newfound respect for it doing it live. So mm. yeah, okay, but gotcha. Yeah, Brandon and I, we we came together and and we we somehow pulled it off. But uh, at the same time, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been three long weeks since since we've all been back together. So well, that's true, that's true. The boys are back in town. Yes, Brandon, they are indeed. Now, Brandon, yes, I uh, I have some news for you for both of you, really. Oh, good. I've decided I'm done with this podcast. You're pregnant. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is the 265th episode. I was on the first 263. Then I missed 264. And now 265 will be my last because I quite frankly can't see the point of going on once you've broken a streak like that. Well, yeah. Well. Now, in fairness, it was kind of a rigged streak because like if I couldn't make a week or if I couldn't make a Tuesday night, I'd be like, let's move it to a different night. And we always, you know, whatever. We always did that for each other to some to the extent that we could. But sure yeah this is it i'm hanging it up how do you feel about that good yeah the silence is really <laughs> like, really is he frozen <laughs> <laughs> oh you're talking to me oh uh, well just in general yeah yeah i guess so well now i know i know it was a, know. It, was, it was a bit of a thinker i had to think about it mm, okay. you know how long that takes me to do i have heard stories about yes yeah. about how how long uh yeah so that was my that was the first time in years that I've been away from my home for a full week. I've done some like weekend trips or long weekends, you know, quite frequently. Um, not, I shouldn't say quite frequently, a couple times a year. But yeah, it was nice just to get away for a whole week. And uh, although there is something nice about being at home. Yeah. Like absolutely. I wasn't like wanting to come back home until of course, like everything's over and you're on your way back. And then you're like, let me just get home. I wasn't wanting to come home. But when I got home, I was like, ah, home. yes. Yeah. And I didn't leave the house for two days at all. Oh, well, I took the dog out, but that was about it. But other than that, we're here. We're, uh, we're ready to talk about some video game stuff. 
But um, you guys have a good week. Everything, you know, since since well, two weeks since the last time I saw you, it's been. Guys, like, guys, I, I got to run something by you because yeah. I'm not sure what's happening. Okay. Um, so every day for the past two days, when I get home from work. So yesterday and today. Correct. Every day. Okay. As loud as I possibly can, I have played the song Mo Bamba off of Sheck West's 2018 hit album, Mud mm-hmm. Boy. Yeah. As loud as I possibly could. Yeah, who hasn't? In my home. And uh-huh. I think one of two things is happening. I want to run it by you. Either I'm slowly losing grips with reality <laughs> or I'm attempting to gain some sort of eldritch forbidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, I guess there is a third. Maybe I was just trying to feel something again, mm-hmm. you know, maybe just trying to feel anything. Um, but for the past two days, maybe I could see how long I can keep it going. It's been day number two of absolutely banging that shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm rocking the walls. I asked my brother today, I said, did you hear me listening to Mo Bamba? He said, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> now, what what brought the inspiration on for that song specifically? Uh, you know, it's just a banger. Yeah. Um, it was a simpler time in 2018. True. Um, and the summer that came out, it was um, instantly a certified, certified classic. Certified um, hood classic, for sure. Certified hood classic, correct. So... I don't know which one of the options you guys think is happening to me. Um, it could be a combination of all of them. Um, but yeah, it's I, been I'm, an I'm having, sorry. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time recalling the song you're talking about. You're saying Mo Bamba. Yes, sir. Can you, can you hum it for me? I don't want to play it. Cause you know, we're on YouTube. No. Give me a little something, Brandon. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I'm not trying to go you into anything. I just genuinely oh, cannot picture dude. the song. I got hoes calling, and I can't sing okay. the rest. Um, okay, I think I know what you're uh, talking about. You don't have the right card for that. Oh fuck, shit, <laughs> bitch, dude! I was scream. I was literally screaming that shit at the top of my lungs. I'm telling you, not now that I say it out loud. I think I was trying to feel something, just anything yeah. at all, for the entire day. Um, and now I'm here. Well, I'm kind of banking on that elders knowledge, though. I'm kind of just hoping it like, you know, that like Zoolander thing, the like psychological principle where like something breaks in your mind and you learn something new. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm thinking maybe th- that's happening. Brendan, I think I think I would be a little bit more concerned if this this happened for like years that every day when you got home, you would play it. This but then after a certain amount of time, it becomes like, well, that's just what I do. But I think what would help that is if every week, so like every seven days, yes, um, you increase it to two plays a night and then three plays a night. And then so like every week you add another play to, to the point where like by the beginning of next year, you will just be playing it for hours a night. And I can't even sleep without listening to Bobamba at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be like white noise. Mm hmm. It's like a, it's like me and my friend Mobama comes with me to the party, you know. It's like, so me well, and Sheck West, my boy. So as you mentioned, you have you you live in a duplex. You live downstairs. Your brother lives sure, upstairs, sure. and it gets to the point where like your brother, like stages an intervention for you about playing Mobamba all the time. Dude, put me in a straitjacket. I'm I'm not stopping. <laughs> the the straitjacket would have no effect on you listening or not listening to that song or any other that's song what, for that matter. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'll have to think on this a little bit, but <laughs> I think it's I think it's healthy uh, to have a thing. But I think that you know it needs to increase in number the longer this goes on. 
Because like it's not, if you're just trying to feel something, it's not enough to just hear that same thing every day. It's like, you know, have you heard the song? Yeah, I've heard this. OK, well, then it's enough. <laughs> well, I'm saying like you're going to you're going to at, at the end of this week, you're going to be like, man, I don't feel I don't feel the same way I, li- I did when I listened to it once earlier this week. And then next like week, you'll be like, listen to it twice and then get a little, you know, a little pizzazz. In, you know? I deafen myself by the end of this. <laughs> It gets to the point where your internal monologue is Mobamba. <laughs> like you no longer have God, thoughts that are not Mobamba. I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. If that was my internal monologue, that would be a step up, brother. I'm telling you, that would be a that would be a notable. That would be like a ten out of ten step up. If I if I could choose that right now, if I could rub a motherfucking bottle, I would do. You know, and Genie says three wishes. I would say double the rent for all single mothers. I would say, uh. <laughs> I would say make my internal monologue always Mo Bamba and let me get in the motherfucking Helldivers 2 servers anytime I want. That that would be my three wishes. That's it. That's it. You did say double the rent for all single mothers, right? That, that's correct. Okay. Yep. I just wanted to we'll put that on your bumper sticker. Yeah. Um, this fall for the election season. This is the HP Podcast. We talk about video games and Mobamba and Brandon's <laughs> mental decline into. I don't think this insanity. song. I, I just I'm listening to it. Uh, I don't think this song is healthy for you to listen to. You got your iPod Touch out there, bro. It bangs. Ever. It bangs, bro. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You don't think it's healthy from the listen Dude, to? No. You had to be there. <laughs> you had to be there. I'm telling you, you had to be there. Dave, how many songs do you know 100 percent of the lyrics to? Uh, just one. And I have a feeling yeah. you know which one it is. Oh, uh, because no. you sang it to me in the back of a in the back of an Uber once. Oh no! Um, would you care to tell the audience that. what that is? It's Confessions Part Two by Usher. Now, do you think that's a healthy song for you to know all the lyrics to, and no other songs? Uh, okay. It would be unhealthy for me to listen to Confessions Part Two every single day of my life mm-hmm. to a point where it became it overtook my internal dialogue. That's what I'm saying. That's fair. I think if you listen yeah, to like fair. Beethoven, like there's probably not many artists or songs that would be healthy to listen to every single day to a point where they overtook your internal dialogue. Yeah. But Mo Bamba is definitely not it. <laughs> it's definitely not the one. <clears throat> anyway, I, I, I have it stuck in my head already, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a, it is a, it's a banger for sure. So for the third time, this is the HP Podcast, a show about video games and Mobamba. We get together most Tuesday nights, pretty much every Tuesday night, to talk about them. If you want to join us live, you can do so on YouTube at Ben is Handsome or on the Handsome Phantom channel. You can also check us out on audio feeds. If you are not here live and you're not on YouTube, you're probably figured out that you can check out the audio feeds. But if you want to join us and hang out and talk about Mobamba in the Discord, you can do so for free by going to handsomephantom.com slash Discord. We appreciate that very much. Look, I was out of here one week and I already forgot the little prompts on the screen. Already forgot about it. Uh, but go over to handsomephantom.com slash discord. Join us there to hang out. You can also support us for as little as a dollar a month. We appreciate that over on patreon.com at sorry, patreon.com slash handsomephantom. Uh, it's a place to be. We really appreciate it. Guys, let's talk about some actual video games. Number one. Sony Interactive Entertainment's recent financial results reveal impressive milestones for the PS5 with nearly 55 million units sold and Marvel's Spider-Man 2 surpassing 10 million copies sold. However, despite these successes, Sony anticipates a decline in PS5 hardware and software sales in the next fiscal quarter with no major first-party releases planned. 
Analysts are concerned about declining margins in Sony's gaming business despite high digital sales and subscription revenue. The company's decision to lower its PS5 sales forecast for the fiscal year has contributed to a significant drop in stock value. Analysts attribute the declining margins to rising software production costs, particularly, notably, for blockbuster titles like Marvel Spider-Man 2, which had a budget of $300 million. Dave, I think I saw that Sony's stock value was down like $10 billion or something like that. I could be, I could have that totally wrong. I might have put a B where there should have been an M. No, it was definitely, it was definitely billion. Maybe it wasn't 10. Either way, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good thing. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that's obviously important in that. But I want to hear your take on Sony's results, Sony's financial results for the month. Yeah, um, we've been saying for a while that Sony is clearly having um, a quieter year in 2024 compared to 2023. But again, 2023 was a banger. Like, I think in retrospect, 2023 is going to go down as one of the best years in uh, like up there with what is it? 2008 was the other really, really, really good year. Um, And and yeah, it's it's Sony starting to see it in some of its financial results. I feel like. Sony's investors and shareholders um, probably don't know that much about video games and have a really short memory um, because, you know, it, if Sony just kind of adjusts its 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 hardware and software sales, sales targets, then, you know, by the time we get to Q2 2024, um, you know, Sony hasn't really missed any of its targets and it doesn't look that bad. But um, in any case, I think things like Helldivers 2 probably exceeded expectations somewhat. I don't know how many consoles Helldivers 2 was selling, but from a software perspective, it certainly is overachieving um, what uh, both the developer and Sony thought it was going to do. And Final Fantasy um, coming out in, in in a little while here too is probably going to gonna have a big impact. So I, I almost feel like Sony is in a position where they are under-promising and trying to over-deliver for 2024 and, you know, just let the wind westerly blow, let the wind blow is what they're trying to do. Um, the other thing we have to remember is that um, Sony, when they acquired Bungie, um, they they made a statement that they had planned to launch uh, over 10 live service games by the end of fiscal year 2025. I think since then, they kind of adjusted those numbers slightly and some of those titles might be um, delayed. But at the end of the day, Sony is changing its strategy. So this may be the start of us seeing the effects of the change uh, of Sony, not necessarily relying on like banger after banger of first party title and more um, games as a service with in-game uh, microtransactions and things like that. So, um, you know, I think this this may be where that kind of starts. And in the next little while, we'll see Sony relying less on, you know, those hardware and software figures as key performance indicators, and you'll start to see microtransaction and in-game revenue generation as a more important key piece for Sony's um, investors and shareholders. So again, I think this is kind of a changing of tone for Sony, and it's going to take a couple years, but we know that they're moving and they have this kind of infatuation with games as a service. So I think they're just kind of changing as a company. So yeah. Brandon, I want your thoughts on that as well. And also... The little piece I mentioned there at the end about rising game cost, Spider-Man 2 sells 10 million copies, but if it costs $300 million to make, that's like 4 million copies at $70 they had to sell. 
to break even. That's a that's a lot. Yeah, that's not a lot of margins for error. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like the bubble, right? We kind of saw a lot of bubbles break last year um, in the gaming industry. These companies are becoming large. Uh, the projects are becoming increasingly expensive. And we've been saying this for years now, that the rising cost of video games is going to have an effect on the market. And I mean, we're clearly seeing it here. Um I think that it's smart to kind of curb their expectations for this coming year. I feel like, honestly, sales on the current generation console probably have plateaued somewhat. They still have a strong holding on the market, uh, a two to one from what I read. Um, But that being said, it's like you can only saturate the market so much. And I think it is both a mixture of the rising game costs, um, Sony's strategy to continually make games of this caliber, I think it's something that they can only do for so long. And I think they really are kind of understanding that at this point and kind of drawing it in, um, so to speak. Um, I'm not in any in any way worried about Sony. I just think this is a kind of shift. And I do agree with Dave. Um, as much as I don't like to say it, we really are going to see a different um, revenue stream in the next coming years from Sony. Whether we like it or not, games as a service are here. They're lucrative. Um, and these companies want to capitalize on it. And making a $300 million game is a lot less you know, appealing when you have the margins like you talked about, Ben. Um, when you can make a much uh, cheaper game um, with microtransactions with the potential. And that's what I say potential because we talk about how much of a gamble it is that these live service games truly are. So... It is what it is, you know. I don't know if we're going to talk about it later in the show. I don't want to spoil it, but there's been a lot of speculation um, about the PS5 Pro um, floating around coming out at the end of the year. So we'll see. Um, I think that they'll definitely be double dippers. I think that they will definitely draw people in, um, you know, that didn't get it the first time and they said, oh, I don't really need a PS5. And, you know, you see 4K, you see. 120 hertz, you know, even if most people don't know what that means, a lot of people know what 4K is now. It's definitely going to do something. So I don't know. I'm not really that worried about it. Obviously, the shareholders are a little scared when they hear stuff like this. So I understand why the value drops so significantly. And when you have a company that has such a high market value, this seems like a lot of money because it is. And I'm not saying that this isn't a significant drop, but the company's huge. Like, Companies go through sh- through shit like this and don't even blink. I mean, somebody's blinking, somebody's pl- panicking, but it's not it's not rough waters for Sony. I don't think it, we're just going to see a big restructure. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever people come out and either change their anticipated sales or they don't meet those expectations, right? You see a big drop, but you see more of a drop when people don't meet what they stated rather than when they state that they're lowering their expectations. Because when they say they're lowering their expectations, generally they have plans in place to mitigate those um, those losses. But when they just don't meet them, it's kind of a surprise to everybody. They're being proactive. So that's, you know, of the two options you mentioned, this is the more favorable for everybody. So I know that, you know, obviously we have PlayStation Plus and that certainly like brings in some money, but Sony really only has their hardware as far as like their main drive, their hardware and software is their main driver. Uh, you look at that number, you know, what was it? 50 something million. 
what did I write here? 55, 55 million. million. Compared to Xbox's approximately, what, 30, 35, something like that? Oh, no, wait, that was units of Spider-Man sold. I was looking at that. <laughs> well, they sold, they sold Spider-Man 2, they sold 10 million. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I see. 55 million PS5s. Um, but you look at Xbox that sold, like, just over half of that. And it's like, yeah, they have Game Pass with apparently 35 million subscribers including Game Pass Core, which used to be Xbox Live Gold. How are they? I mean, I just don't get it. I don't understand how they're making it. I have a brilliant they're idea. they're buying more things. I guess I they're bringing idea. in more money. Xbox is going to put their games... I, I, I yeah. bet they put four of them on another system. I would bet four. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why it's just coming to me. Maybe it's the Mobamba. Maybe it's like it's probably the spinning Mo wheels up here, buddy. Um, but yeah. I, I'd bet four. I didn't even put that in the news because it wasn't anything. But we, we talked about, about it last week. Oh, really? I thought that was after you recorded. But no. yeah, either way. Okay. No, yeah, we talked. Cool. cool, cool, cool. That's all I got to say about that. Anybody else have anything further? Bloodborne will save the company. <laughs> If they would just remaster it. Dude, I was in um I was in the airport in Miami and there's a Lego store there. And of course, my kids wanted to look at the Lego store, but more importantly, I wanted to look at the Lego store. Even though I wasn't gonna sure. buy Legos at the airport, I needed to go because it was there. And uh there's a guy working there and he saw my shirt and I had on the the shirt from uh the last stand event um that was like uh it was the the design, the Houston design was theme the red like dead. red dead redemption yeah and he's looking at it and he's like wait what's that mean most overrated you know so i explained to him that it was just an event and it was just the, the artwork but he starts talking to me like crazy about red dead 2 and about how much he loves it and everything else like that and i was like yeah man i just wish like i have it on pc now too but i just wish that they would put out a, a ps5 patch. he's like exactly i can't and he just starts <laughs> ranting about like it's still in 30 FPS. There's no excuse. It's Rockstar. They don't care about Red Dead. They only care about GTA Online. It was a, it was a good conversation. Like he was pretty knowledgeable about games, um, but it was just funny because like even even random uh, Lego store employee at the Miami airport knows how important uh, updated frame rates are to great games that could live on forever. I mean, honestly, I've never played Bloodborne, and I had the chance to play it in the PS4 era. I get that. But when I finally went to play it after games were moving to 60 FPS and it was in 30, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. It's ugly. And for it's, me, it's so ugly. until I can play it in 60, I probably won't, honestly. Now, I know that I could play a game in 30 and it's not the end of the world, but I just have so many other games to play that I'm like, well, why don't I just wait for this? Yeah. So it just, uh, I guess that just goes to reiterate your point that put it in 60 and sell it to me for 60, $70. I don't care. I'll play it. I'll buy it. I get it. Number two. Sega leaker Midori, who has been right on pretty much every Sega leak he's had in the past, shared details on Twitter about Sega's plans for reboots of the Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio franchises. These reboots are part of Sega's current Super Game initiative. According to Midori, the upcoming Crazy Taxi reboot will be a live service game, drawing inspiration from titles like Fortnite and Grand Theft Auto Online. Similarly, the Jet Set Radio reboot will feature graffiti and gunplay elements set in an open world with multiple playable characters. When asked about a single-player mode for Jet Set Radio, Midori confirmed there will be a completely new story. However, there are concerns about microtransactions 
with Midori confirming they will be present in the games. In addition to the reboots, both franchises will receive remakes of their first games without any live service elements to be released at full price. While no release dates are confirmed, the remakes are expected to be available in 2026. Brandon, I don't know if you're a fan of either of these games uh, from days gone by, but can you imagine a Crazy Taxi with uh, live service elements? I know they can figure out how to put them in there, but it just doesn't seem right. I'm going to be honest with you. Yes. Yeah. We we now live in a society. We live all. in a society. <laughs> um, we now live in a society that anything can be made money from. Anything. Yeah. I'm waiting for them to start making money off us breathing air. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this That's is just, called a HEPA filter. Oh, buddy, they already did it. Fuck just, me. Just, uh, <laughs> fuck just fake me. science out here. You know, oh, Dude. this will make your air better. Like air is bad. Air can't be possibly bad for you, right? God damn. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's just, you know, it is sad to see when old things come back. Not quite as upsetting as the as the free to play Elden Ring, um, but, <laughs> mobile uh, mobile free to play Elden Ring. I'm still upset about that, guys. I've been thinking <laughs> about it for weeks. Um, but yeah, this is weird. It's just like, uh, am I tripping? I'm a complete moron. I haven't played any. Who makes like a dragon? Is this Sega? It's uh, yeah, it, Sega publishes it. Okay, so if if they're willing to make you pay for New Game Plus, why would this be above them? Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just par for the course, really. And it sucks because both of these games, I know factually, even though I've not played them, are beloved, beloved IP. So for them to come back, I mean, they did it to crash, you know, <laughs> like like nobody's safe at this point. Dave, any thoughts? Have, have you played these games? Um, <clears throat> yes, I played both. Uh, Crazy Taxi is the pro- probably the one that I would gravitate to more. But I'm with you. It's it's kind of naive to expect anything to come out in 2024 and not or think it's not going to have some sort of in-game revenue generation, um, especially for somebody like Sega. And you bring up another point that they have a track record of being kind of shittier about this than normal. But again, any big publisher is going to be doing this. And uh, unfortunately, it's it's a proven method. It's working. It's it's a way to generate extra revenue in-game. Uh, it's working across the industry. So why wouldn't Sega doing it, uh, do it? Um, we'll continue to see this until it stops working. So, I mean, there's thousands of people out there who are purchasing microtransactions. So as long as it's working, we're going to see more of it. The thing I don't like is, is that Sega is using nostalgia as a way to draw people into microtransactions. Uh, I think that's kind of shitty, but again, it, it doesn't surprise me. And at this point, I'm kind of expecting that, this is just going to be the norm. Um, I don't know why, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game that came out recently, that kind of, that was a game that like was a, a similar kind of concept where it was not necessarily a remake, but really played on nostalgia. I don't think it had any microtransactions. It was just no, a good game, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky and maybe the leaker Midori is wrong. Maybe he's drunk and we'll have to throw him in the long boat until he's sober, but I don't know. Mm. It's, uh, it's, no it just is kind of, the way things are going. You're Hold talking up. about uh, Shredder's Revenge? Yeah. Yes. Yep. came out. Really, really good. 25 bucks, no microtransactions. Really good game. Um, I don't know if they made any money on it, but it certainly was a good That's, game. Is, <laughs> is the, oh, boy. Like fan We're service doomed. just for the We're sake doomed. of fan service, I don't think makes money. 
these days not not like a live service game does so the other thing i forgot to mention is is there's a good chance that this crazy taxi game will come out and 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 the three of us will easily be able to enjoy it without having to spend a single cent so so you know sega is going to be smart enough to put something out that isn't like microtransaction heavy but um yeah i mean it is what it is these days boys hold the phones I made it into Helldivers. Let's go. I'm not going to play it during the show, but I made it in. We're in. We're in. Oh, fuck yeah, boys. I made it. I just had to celebrate there for a minute. I really wasn't sure that it was going to happen. All right. I'm sorry. I, 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 I thought sure. I read that they added in a, an AFK kick to orbit feature. No, I think they're so. going to. I don't oh, know yeah. if they did it yet. Yeah. Thank goodness. I need it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm the problem, okay? <laughs> You're the problem. You're the reason. Some, one other person Ooh. can't get in right now. I'll fist fight them. Dude, that would, that, that would be respectable. Spawn me into an arena. Yeah. We, will, we will duel like men for the spot in the queue. It, that <laughs> seems reasonable. Well, they're not adding in PvP because they want to remove toxic elements from the game. I read that earlier today. I saw that as well. So, good, sorry. Good call. Well, I, I mean, there kind of is PvP. I shoot you all the time. That's true. Yeah, that's fair. Dude, first night, Ben shot me once by accident, and I just turned right around and unloaded an entire <laughs> clip into his body. <laughs> and then you threw a grenade into the extraction <laughs> vehicle. Yeah. Number uh, three. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. According to a Brazilian journalist, Nintendo's next game, next-gen console, referred to by many, including us, as the Switch 2, is reportedly delayed until Q1 2025. This information comes from multiple industry sources with Eurogamer and Bloomberg also corroborating the news. Now, important note that I didn't write in here. We did not ever have a confirmation that it was launching in 2024. So to say it's delayed till 2025 just means that Nintendo internally delayed it. Doesn't mean that we knew that. The delay is said to allow Nintendo to bolster the launch lineup with stronger first party titles. Despite the delay, developers are reportedly working on Switch 2 games planned for release alongside the console in early 2025. While Nintendo has not publicly commented on the delay, it was widely expected that the Switch successor would launch this year. Nintendo's president declined to comment on plans for the next generation console, emphasizing that the current Nintendo Switch iteration remains the company's main focus headed into 2024. Speculation suggests that the new Nintendo console could launch at $400, higher than the Switch's launch price, with game prices potentially adopting the $70 standard seen on other platforms. The next console is expected to retain portable functionality, as previously reported, and I think I also saw reports that it would be backwards compatible as well. Dave, as the number one Switch connoisseur on the HP podcast, uh, are you jonesing for a new Switch? Are you ready for one, or are you still kind of happy with what you got? I'm happy with what I have, but I think in the last year I've really grown a, a, a new respect for my Switch, so if a new one came out, I'd I'd have a look. Um, Brandon and I discussed last week uh, a story about Nintendo's strategy going into the launch of new hardware and how they weren't going to be taking the success of of the Switch for granted and make the same mistakes that they did with the launch of the Wii U. So, um, you know, we're never going to get confirmation of whether this was actually delayed or not, but I think what we can safely say is they're taking their time with it, which is it's is it it signals to me that they are taking this strategy serious and they aren't taking their position with the Nintendo Switch for granted. And we also chatted last week about how the Wii U, um, I think one of the reasons it failed among just 
you know, consumer confusion was that it didn't have enough good software on it when it launched. So, um, you know, if, if Nintendo was taking their time with the switch Two to ensure that we have a couple bangers at launch, then take your time, take your time. Um, because that's, that's what I think is going to ensure that the switch Two is gets a really, really good start. Um, Nintendo does kind of strike me as the company that probably would do what they want when they want in terms of launching new hardware. They're kind of the bully in the alley, but uh, I do kind of wonder if Nintendo was holding off to see if Sony or Microsoft, more specifically Sony, was going to launch something uh, in and around the same window that they were eyeing for Switch 2. Um, you know, we, we talked earlier about a potential PS5 Pro. I would think that Nintendo would probably want to avoid the launch of a PS5 Pro for their Switch 2. Just because, you know, there's obviously going to be technical differences there that make the Switch 2 look less attractive or just kind of take the spotlight off it. Again, something we'll never know, but I, I can't help but think, like, strategically, Nintendo maybe wants to find a spot of their own to launch Switch 2. So, yeah, good for you, Nintendo. Take your time. I will, uh, maybe I'll be there on day one. I feel like I, I yeah. could be. Brandon, do you remember the, the not us per se, but the the bigger industry-wide conversation around the original launch of the switch there are no games for it when it came out there was zelda. like there was zelda there was uh puyo puyo tetris there was uh Two eventually mario odyssey yeah there was not really a whole lot and look how well it's done do you think it matters yeah. i mean obviously nintendo well not obviously but according to the leaker nintendo yeah. thinks it matters <laughs> i mean it certainly does matter um i think that nintendo I do agree with Dave. I think that launching around another big system is not necessarily advantageous, but something that I've said about Nintendo once, and I'll say it again, is that they kind of work in their own sphere. As you said, the Japanese bully in the alley. Um, but they're really trying to do something. And we did kind of talk about it last week, but they can't really catch lightning in the ball again. I really don't think it's going to be as successful as the first one. Like, I don't I don't think it's literally possible. Like, unless something insane happens, I think they would just be happy to do three-fourths of the success. They just don't want a good one and a bad one like they've had, um, kind of like we mentioned last week. But, yeah, I mean, as far as the Switch 2, does it really intrigue me? Not really, um, especially now with having a PC. Uh, we don't know much about the Switch 2, almost anything at all, even if that's what it's called. Um, but if I could still play Switch 2 games on my Switch 1, then there's even less of an incentive. Um, Nintendo has been pretty good uh, for themselves about separating the, the generations and, not, and bad for the consumer. Um, but I don't know. I kind of hope it is cross-generational. Um, there's been some buzz about it, but only rumors up until this point. So... Yeah, I don't know, man. I said a lot of what I had to say last week, but I hope it does well. And it's going to do well because it's Nintendo. And the reality is even the Wii U sold a bunch. It just didn't sell as much as its other shit. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see, man. Next year. Next year is going to be crazy. So It's funny because right now in my head, I'm like, I don't need a Switch 2, but I know good and well I'm going to buy it. But yeah, of course I am. I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> it's got to be. I, I, I feel like Metroid Prime Four would yeah. be a good launch title. It'd have to be yeah. on both, but 
maybe that's what they're because uh, we haven't heard about that in a while but yeah dude where's the where's the next 3d mario that'd be a good launch title it's been mm-hmm. enough years i'm not been saying that years, would, right six years. i'm not i'm not saying that would make me buy the console by any means um but Seven that would years. be that would be something i'm interested in of all things you know obviously we had a mainline zelda game very recently and so that's kind of not in the cards but um i don't know i, I wouldn't figured- be surprised to see the odyssey successor yeah when this when this comes out i just yeah. assume that knowing your relationship with nintendo that they would just send you one brandon straight mm-hmm. to your door yeah i know it's kit. it's it's just because me and reggie are so tight now that he's not working for them exactly it's just like they feel weird about me now it's yeah. not about anything i said though <laughs> <laughs> Number four. In 2023, consumer spending on the PC Epic Game Store increased by 16% to $950 million. Although Jesus. spending on third party PC games decreased by 13% to $310 million. The top titles included Fortnite, Rocket League, Genshin Impact, Dead Island 2, and Grand Theft Auto 5. By the way, I want to point out here Fortnite, Rocket League, Genshin Impact, three free to play games were their top earners. Incredible. The store's user base grew by 17% to $270 million, with Epic cross-platform accounts rising by nearly 11% to $804 million. The catalog of games nearly doubled to over 1,300 new titles thanks to new self-publishing options for developers. However, the number of free games declined, with 86 games offered in promotions compared to 99 in 2022. These free games were claimed a total of 586 million times, down from nearly 700 million the previous year. Epic also announced to launch an iOS store in Europe this year, operated by Epic Games Sweden AB. Dave, I know you're not um, as much of a PC gamer these days as you used to be, but Epic Games just raking in cash. I don't think this in any way, shape, or form gets even slightly close to touching Steam's numbers, but for a launcher that a lot of people didn't want and still won't use, billion dollars isn't bad. Yeah, certainly isn't. I mean, you're right. I'm I'm sort of like a jolly Southwester. I'm steady she goes when it comes to PC gaming, and I just kind of stick to Steam. But when I was reading this, I kind of thought to myself, the only times that I've gone in and used Epic Game Stores, there was two occasions. One was, I correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Grand Theft Auto V was free at one point, and I think yes. that's when the three of us played, plus Dustin. Uh, yeah. And then the other time was uh, when Remnant, the original Remnant was free on Epic mm. Game Stores and I claimed it and I played it quite a bit there. Otherwise, I have zero reason to go on Epic Game Store. Um, I understand when you, you're you sort of the exclusive PC home of things like Fortnite and Rocket League. That's a massive reason for a lot of people to go. But other than that, I, I don't know a reason why I would choose to purchase something on um, Epic over Steam. So I, I'm, I'm not sure that these storefronts really have gotten to a point where they can differentiate themselves enough um, other than what games they're offering free um, because, uh, you know, other than some um, isolated examples, there, there isn't really a whole lot of exclusivity when it comes to storefronts. So, uh, you know, there are the big ones, but um, yeah, I don't know. Th- those are impressive numbers for the ga- Epic Game Store, but how they, you know, tr- catch up to steam i i don't know can they offer games cheaper have better sales maybe i don't know what the reason why i would go to them over 
um, Steam would be. And and I, I'm kind of curious from you guys, like, have you guys purchased a game on Epic Game Store over Steam before? And if so, why? If available on both platforms, I have never chosen to purchase one on Epic. But there have been plenty of games that have been exclusive to Epic that I have bought there. I shouldn't say plenty. There have been a few games. And of course, there's I played on there a ton, not just with Fortnite, but also with you know games that you get for free, whether it's through Epic or through uh, Prime Gaming or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, to your point, I've never never been like, oh, this game is $60 on Steam or $60 on Epic. I'll buy it on Epic. That's never happened for me. Brandon, you're kind of in the same boat, I think. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I do think it's really funny, all the haters uh, on the Epic store. And I'm not like an Epic uh, shill or anything. I've talked highly of Epic on the show before, but I, I agree with you too. I don't really have much of a much of a reason, even as a, a, a blossoming P- PC player. It's just there's not really anything better about Epic except for clicking the button on my screen and clicking a free game every once in a while. It's just, or booting Fortnite. You know, I don't play Rocket League. I don't play Genshin. So it's just, Epic's raking in money and they always rake in money. They find out how to somehow. Um, but we just learned a couple months ago, they're still losing money on the Epic store. So like, this is just very confusing to me just in general, but um, to all the haters, uh, look at these numbers. You know, obviously some of the haters kind of uh, shifted in the dark, so to speak. But um, yeah, this is not surprising, especially be- with Fortnite in that category, specifically Fortnite. This number wouldn't even just shock me if it was almost entirely Fortnite, to be completely honest with you. I would imagine a large majority of it has been um, not to kind of diminish Rocket League or Genshin. But I mean, yeah, I was. Just- I was wondering that, like, what percentage of that $950 million is just Fortnite? I'm sh- I, I would imagine that Fortnite's uh, intake on the consoles combined is... Def- I mean, I shouldn't say combined. Fortnite on each different console is probably higher than Epic's. Dude, I would say, like, 700 million of that, like, easily honestly you know 200 mil for the other guys like and that would be good that would be good for those other games to get 200 mil but you know right fortnite's nothing to fuck with and it's been this way for years and years but um yeah crazy stuff man uh alan wake just i didn't put this in the notes but alan wake just uh uh announced they were at 1.2 million yeah and of course, they launched on Epic exclusively uh, for for PC. But who knows how many of those consoles were PC versus versus console? Do you um, think that that will uh, go multiplat at some point? A multiplat as in to Steam? Yeah. Um, it depends on the deal they worked out. Honestly, yeah. Um, because some, as we see with other platforms, other other consoles and stuff. Some games are exclusive forever based on their funding deal and some aren't. Yeah. So I think that did hurt its sales on PC, but I don't have any evidence to back that up other than anecdotally. Yeah. But yeah, 1.2 million for them. Um, that's it was sold for 50 bucks. That's that's a pretty cheap game. If they, they said they recouped all their costs and it propelled them to do their next game. I'm I'm wondering if Epic didn't give them basically say hey we'll cover all your development costs if you give us exclusivity 
and you let us put an Alan Wake skin in Fortnite, which they did. Um, it would not surprise me if that's what happened because they just they have money to burn. They don't have as much as everybody else does. Not everybody else, but a lot of other people do. But Epic has that that Fortnite money, that kid money. Seriously, yeah. Gen Alpha, Gen Alpha money. Is that what it's called? Is that a new yeah. thing? Mm-hmm. Really? Are my yeah. kids in Gen Alpha? I think so. Mm. Interesting. Number five, Arrowhead. Developers of Helldiver 2 is grappling with server capacity issues through the game's explosive launch. Despite efforts to increase server capacity, ongoing problems persist, prompting the team to apologize and assure players they're working on a fix. With an unprecedented peak concurrent player count of over 400,000 on Steam alone, surpassing titles like Grand Theft Auto V and Destiny 2, Helldivers 2 has encountered significant server issues, including a black screen bug for PC players, and servers at capacity messages on both PC and PS5. To address these issues, Arrowhead plans to release updates this week targeting login, matchmaking, and server load problems. However, Arrowhead CEO has advised potential buyers to wait until the server issues are resolved, acknowledging the frustration players may experience. His honesty has been appreciated by the community with players understanding the need to wait for a smoother experience. Additionally, Arrowhead is considering implementing an away-from-keyboard AFK auto-kick to prevent players like Brandon from unnecessarily blocking others from enjoying ma- from joining matches. Now, uh, I did have this as leading right into what we've been playing, so we could talk about it along with that. Um, but I noticed there's another thing here. So let's just talk first about, again, well, whatever. First of all, somebody wrote in here, Elden Ring DLC trailer tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. Guess, guess who wrote it? I bet it was you, Brandon. <laughs> I was going to include it, but I was like, what is there to talk about? We haven't even seen the trailer yet. But dude, take it away, dude. Fuck me. It's amazing, bro. I'm, <laughs> we've learned nothing, and I'm currently playing Elden Ring. So this is good. You're currently news. playing three different playthroughs of Elden Ring. I am, actually. Yeah. I'm a mad lad. So, Brandon, um, I. What are you hoping to see? If you if you can think of one thing that you're hoping to see in this trailer tomorrow, what is it? Honestly, anything. <laughs> like 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 that is such a cop out answer, but like I have full faith. Every DLC that's been put out in recent years has been immaculate, and they've already talked about how it's a substantial DLC. This is the only one I think they've said they're planning to do. Um, and yeah, big DLC always come out with good shit. Um, I've been watching a lot of PVPers online and they're like speculating like Madness Katana would be really cool. Um, some sort of sleep magic would be really cool. Stuff that like they have in the game as modifiers, but they don't have specific build options for that. So I would love to see them expand upon that and maybe even add a new modifier. So always good. Uh, uh, Dark Souls 3 DLC was 10 out of 10. Um, so I'm really, really genuinely looking forward to it. And we're finally getting some news. There's been speculation out the ass on the internet about this after they updated some files. So nonetheless, that's all I have to say. Arrowhead having some problems. Yeah. Boys. Yeah. Absolutely. What's going on? I've seen a lot of people who supposedly know about servers and how things work. And I do believe it's more complicated than you would think. Like, well, just turn on more servers. It's apparently not that easy, which I don't doubt at all. But what a good problem to have that too many people want to play your game. Right. Like their their expectations for this were probably high. But I think I'll own up and say, you know, months ago on the show, I think I even said, like, 
I'm looking forward to Helldivers, but I'm just afraid it's not going to sell very well because there seems to be no hype about it. And boy, I got the exact opposite of that. There's so much hype about it that people can't even play it. There's so many people wanting to play it. Yeah, so dude. it's it's certainly an interesting thing. I don't know. Brandon, you and I have, for several nights in a row, just waited in queues. Um, the first week it was out, we didn't have to do that as much, but obviously as the player count has grown, we've definitely had to do so. Dave, I'm curious what you think about the fact that they say their server caps are at like 450, but we've seen 400 plus trying to play on Steam. Yeah, uh, first of all, it's it's absolutely outrageous that that this game has has beaten Grand Theft Auto Five for the peak concurrent player count. Um, so good for them. That's that's a huge accolade uh, for them to knock off such a such a a dynamo as as Grand Theft Auto Five, but um yeah i mean we kind of talked about this last week too and and it it i am considering how much sony was pushing this game i am surprised that this reception was as um as as much of a surprise as it's come to sony and uh and arrowhead um this is two weeks now that we've been talking about this and you know you can give them the benefit of the doubt for so long but i do appreciate the honesty coming from um arrowhead saying you know if you're if you're thinking about buying it maybe hold off like you don't hear things like that very often and the fact that sony let him say something like that is pretty impressive but um i don't know the leash for this sort of thing is is pretty short um you know one of the things we did mention as well before was um, when it comes to server complexity, I think what he was saying was like, you'd never really know how a server is going to react when that many people come in at once. So it's not as simple as just adding lanes to a highway sort of thing. So I feel for him, but they better get this sorted out quick because they are going to lose people, um, just to sheer frustration. So yeah, good for them. And, uh, I'm happy they got that, that record. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Now, Brandon, on to what we've been playing. I suppose to to continue talking about Hell Divers. You and I have both been playing. You've been playing, I think, a little bit more than I. I don't know. Well, I don't know if you've actually gotten to play more than I have or not. But tell me about what you've been playing this week, including Hell Divers and whatever else. Yeah, man. Um, Elden Ring, obviously, um, was talking about that a bit. But I don't really care about that right now. I'm going to talk about Hell Divers. Uh, <laughs> I do care about it, but we're talking about Hell Divers, boys. Uh, I'll just touch on real quick. Congratulations, Arrowhead. I do agree with Dave. I think a little bit of the goodwill is being soured, but the cultural phenomenon I've almost seen unwind from this game has really been telling as to like the quality and the um, just the overall vibes of the game in general, man. It's been crazy. I'm looking at Helldivers, um, the first one on Steam charts, and all-time peak is about 6,600. Um, so to go from that to the heights they're at beating a Titan like GTA five um, and being the second highest played game on steam right below counter-strike is crazy. It's just crazy, man. Bestseller on PlayStation beating out Fortnite. Um, it's great, man. It's good. And even though I am willing to give them some grace, I think that they are towing a thin line right now. Um, and I think that, at some point there will be, you know, a breaking point. Um, I think that the game has enough goodwill at this point that they won't lose everybody, but I think more casual people will start to get really frustrated. They did just put out a patch today um, that stopped the black screen, which is good because that was the most frustrating part of all the things possible was that, you know, 
you don't just see that you're retrying the queue like you see nothing and that's even more aggravating than you know knowing that at least you're waiting in line um but this game is awesome dude um it's so cinematic um the micro the microtransactions are incredibly fair the gameplay is incredibly fun i love killing my friends in the bugs and the robots it is robot vietnam um and just like I said, the culture, like something about the culture and the memes I'm seeing. It reminds me when really great games come out, guys, when really, really good games come out. Some of the some of the culture that comes from it is amazing. Like when Elden Ring came out, the culture from Elden Ring on Twitter was phenomenal. And I still see little glimpses of it here and there. But I love when good games come out because they are proven good not only by the game itself, but by the things that are created from the experiences that are had in the games. Um, and so I've been having a lot of fun. The server problems obviously have been incredibly frustrating, especially when, you know, four of your friends get on, four including you get on and you try for two hours and everyone's playing but you. Uh, <laughs> that certainly is something that is a bit souring. Um, but nonetheless, I think that they are taking steps forward um, I wish it was a little bit more expedient, um, but I do appreciate the honesty. Uh, and I agree, something like sitting in a server all day is incredibly scummy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give myself a pass. But I think the real problem we're running into is like when you see screenshots of on Reddit of people being in the game for three days and not logging out. I think that's really like the biggest problem that's happening. Um, me trying to log in so I can play a single time tonight while I'm <laughs> recording the show. I don't think it's as much of a problem, um, but I would love to see them put in a 10 or 15 minute timeout. I think that would significantly help the load on the server. So, But it's been a riot. It's been an absolute riot. Um, solo is terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard, man. Um, even, even, on, even on some easier easier missions it can be quite hectic but playing with the boys um you know one of my favorite things to do is throw the airstrikes right and just watch the bugs and the robots fly into the sky when you kill them but what can happen is you can throw it perfectly on something that's still moving and that thing continues to trudge forward towards you um there's been a couple times that i've landed landed a, an airstrike on a bug that's then jumped towards me um and it's just it provides some wacky moments just organically. And I think that's that's due to the community obviously playing the game, but I think it's also good due to like good game design. Um, and I think that that can't be understated in this game is that when you are able to get into the game, it runs well, it, it plays well mechanically, um, the systems are good and they're fair. Uh, and yeah, it's a whole hell of a lot of fun. So Ben, what a... What were you thinking, my man? I I know you were having some fun. Yeah, I mean, I played probably in the first two days it was out, I played probably like 15 hours of it. I guess I haven't got, gotten to talk about it on this show because I was gone, but I was worried whenever I played, uh, you know, initially and I had to, I knew I was leaving for a week. I was not, not worried, but like thinking like, oh man, everybody's going to be way out leveled me. Not that the levels affect your, well, they do somewhat affect your gameplay, but um, uh, you know, everybody's gonna have squads, and I'm not gonna be able to play with anybody. You know, like that was kind of running through my head. And then I got back, and it was like nobody's been able to play the whole time you've been gone. So uh, right. we're all kind of at the same place still. So um, obviously, I'm not actually happy that, that they've been having issues. But yeah, the game is 
loads of fun. I'll echo a lot of the things you said, or, or I won't echo a lot of the things you said because I have the same things to say, but just the, the sheer calamity of the, the entire game is, is awesome. It's hysterical. Uh, the game is intentionally funny in many ways. And also I think unintentionally funny in many ways, <laughs> yeah. like the instance you mentioned where like you can throw and, and, and um, you know, sticky onto a, to a bug and, and have it like wreak havoc on your entire crew. Like you don't get those moments very often in games and you certainly, it makes it hard to create them to try to create that kind of, you know, dynamic gameplay that, it's different every time you're playing the same missions over and over again, but it's still different somehow every time you're playing it. Right. And that's really tough to be able to make repeatedly fun. And it is repeatedly fun. Uh, so that's a good sign, a good thing for me um, because I tend to go really hard in games and then wear myself out and not want to play them anymore. And with this one, I thought by, you know, 20, 25 hours in at this point that I'd be done. And uh, that is not the case at all. Just getting um, started just getting barely cracking the surface baby now i do have one complaint about the game like you said everything runs perfectly it's so much fun when you're actually in the game my biggest complaint with this game is that there are certain guns that are locked behind the pre certain guns weapons you know perks whatever that are locked behind the premium battle pass and i don't ever love battle pass restricting any kind of gameplay battle pass all day for cosmetics i do not care because that's completely optional does not actually impact your gameplay experience with the exception of not being able to look like a certain character, whatever. That's fine. But I don't like the fact that Helldivers 2, in order to receive certain weapons, you do have to have the premium battle pass uh, to get them. Um, so that's not a real, I'm not a real big fan of that. I don't mind grinding for it if it's something that could be obtained for free, but I don't like the fact that after I paid for a game, that I also have to pay for a battle pass and progress it in order to get um in order to get those rewards that that do directly impact the gameplay so that that's my only nitpick though uh really and i think the fact that they made it a what was it 40 dollars 40 dollar game yeah i think there's some excusability there because if it was a well, 70 dollar game and there was a battle pass that unlocked gameplay perks then i'd be a little i'd be way more upset but 40 dollar game you got to pay 10 bucks to unlock some weapons okay I can also deal with it devil's advocate and I'm, and I'm not saying it's good or bad because i actually genuinely agree with you there mm -hmm. um i would say of all games in recent memory that have something similar to what you're describing this one seems relatively fair yeah with the amount of time that it would take to unlock so that's yeah. that's the one thing i will say about it even though i don't like it either i agree with you 100 percent. i think that simply playing the game is it would take a reasonable amount of time to yeah. unlock what you therefore would spend money on. Right. And in fairness, I think you can earn with the free battle pass tier, you can earn 750 premium credits. Plus you can earn them in game. Like you can pick them up in the world. So realistically you can buy the, the full price, you know, the, the, the real money battle pass with in game currency if you play enough. Um, so I do like that there is that opportunity for that as well, but I still maintain that it is, I don't want to use the word scummy. This isn't scummy to me, like, you know, paying full price for Avengers and then having to pay for a battle pass for each character. That's a totally different level <laughs> of scumminess. Um, I'm talking about with this one, like the fact that the fact that you pay for the game and then have to pay to unlock certain weapons specifically. Right. Uh, I don't love that. But again, I'll give it a pass because of its price points, but I still think it's not a good practice. I would not ever advocate for it. Um, 
obviously the financial situation, they had no idea how popular it was going to be. You got to make your money back. I get it, but I just don't, I don't like it as a precedent because it's yeah. huge. It's hugely successful. Other people are going to do this and other people yeah. have done it obviously in the past, but um, it that, that just kind of sucks to me. It, it also kind of sucks. Like I hate in call of duty when you have to, you know, when you buy the battle pass to unlock weapons, well, sorry, you unlock the weapons naturally for free. I don't think you have to have the battle pass, but you do have to progress. I don't mind having to play the game a lot to unlock something. Um, progression is fine with me. I just dislike having to pay for it and also progress it. So, right. I ben, just went a little rant on that. I, I just don't even know why you would buy Avengers. I don't know, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> but like one of my most trusted confidants in the entire world told me it was great. And he was having Dude, a lot of fun with it. If I ever recommend anything superhero to you ever, just never, just never listen to me. I'm going to okay. say that from this point forward. Okay. If I recommend anything, just say, Brandon, no. Just scold okay. me like a dog. No. Okay. Now, in fairness, I did have some fun with it, but I will say the first three nights in a row, I booted up that game to play with you. I blue screened multiple times and flew across <laughs> the map uh, unintentionally. So, you know, but that's all I've been playing. That's yeah. it. So, Davey, on to you. You've got one game in common with me and one game I am eagerly anticipating hearing about. Where, do you, where do you want me to start? Let's start with the one we have in common so I can try okay. it in there. Too. So that's we'll uh, save. We'll save the skull and bones for the climax of the show here. Uh, OK, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we've both been playing uh, Deep Rock Galactic Survivor. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. When I um, downloaded this game, I didn't actually know. I, I kind of thought it was a twin stick shooter. I really wasn't sure. But the point is, is it's a Deep Rock Galactic in the title and it was ten dollars. So I'm there. Uh, it's out in early access now on Steam. Um, I picked it up. This is my first experience with a game in, and I guess what you would call the survivor subgenre. Um, I guess when Vampire Survivors came out last year or the year before, it spawned a number of offshoots or clones, whatever you want to call it. Um, so this is my first. A lot first of people call that auto shooter. Auto shooter, yeah. As a, as a genre, yeah. And uh, that's another thing I didn't know about this is that, again, I got into the game and I was like, how do I shoot? And I'm like, my guy is just shooting. So I didn't know that. But um, yeah, my first experience with an auto shooter and um, I I really like it. It's 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 simple. It's, it's fun. It's addicting. Um, there's a constant stream of rewards um, that make you kind of want to push further and further. I really like that even if you die, in one of your deep dives, um, you still get a substantial amount of, of credit and things to to make it so uh, your next run is a little bit more successful. There's a number of different um, stats that you can kind of invest in to make your um, your next run, you know, make you better, um, such as, you know, fire rate, uh, mining speed is a big one. Um, just the speed at which your character moves, obviously health and uh, and damage and stuff like that. Um, so again, this being my first experience in the auto shooter genre, uh, I did a little bit of research on some of the other ones. And I actually think the use of deep rock galactic in this genre is kind of brilliant because I don't think the focus is as much on killing enemies that are on screen that are quickly multiplying. I think there is also a really strong focus on mining throughout the level um not only going out and tracking down resources but also terraforming 
the level in a way that makes it um, so you can kind of defend yourself and kite enemies in certain areas. Um, so I think kind of the use of Deep Rock Galactic in the genre is, is it re- works really, really, really well. Um, so yeah, Deep Rock Galactic Survivor, I'm having a great time with it. It's $10. It might be a little bit more expensive because I think that was like a, a day one discount. But in any case, it's a lot of people on Twitch I've, I've, who I've never seen play Deep Rock Galactic are playing it. So it's, it seems to be, um, pretty well received. And again, it's an early access, so it's going to be evolving quite a bit. But um, I don't know, Ben, what were your thoughts? I saw some some comments you had about playing it on the Steam Deck um, over the weekend. Yeah, I've been playing it on both PC and on Steam Deck. And if this tells you anything, I got it two days ago. I did not play today and I have like 10 hours in it. Um, so about 10 hours in two days, which in fairness, um, I think at least three of those hours I played on my Steam Deck while waiting in queue for Helldivers. <laughs> so, you know, I was double dipping a little bit there, I guess you could say, but agreed Dave with almost everything you're saying. Well, with everything you're saying, um, very, you know, I love vampire survivors and, but, but the one complaint I had with it was just a little too simple. Like when you go in between, um, levels in, in vampire survivors, you have the ability to upgrade different things and to make your character more powerful to unlock new characters with different abilities. And you have the ability in the game to, level up one specific thing but i feel like for whatever reason deep rock survivors mechanics in that respect are much more i feel like i'm doing more like the decisions i'm making actually impact you know what which power up i pick has more of a direct effect on my game than it seems to in in games like vampire survivors um the the thing you mentioned about it being almost as important to survive as it is to mine I totally agree with because there have been times where I was like, I haven't seen that mineral in this entire map that I'm on right now. So I'm going to go and get it, even though I know that by the time I'm done mining it, they are going to overtake me and I'm going to die because like, that's the progression. So like there's sometimes that decision between surviving and building up your resources to be able to upgrade your character more so that next time you'll be a little better off. Um, I've played all three of the maps that there are so far, obviously I played the first one the most and the other two I've played less, but uh, unlocked all four characters at this point, although I have not played um, one of them. I can't remember which one. I think the engineer. I haven't played the engineer, but I just love the way that the, uh, the game is very much reminiscent of a game like Vampire Survivors, a, a tried and true, tested, addictive formula, while also adding in these more complicated elements that make it more dynamic and make you feel like you're controlling what's happening a little bit more. Uh, I will also say that as a Deep Rock Galactic fan, I am really uh, pleasantly surprised. I'm happy with the fact that there are so many um, direct things that harken back to the other games. I mean, basically in this, it's almost like you're playing Deep Rock Galactic, but you're in this top-down perspective, but, you know, the characters are saying very similar lines. You're still getting the shout-outs for Carl here and there. Um, the A lot of the voice lines probably are reused from Deep, Deep Rock Galactic, and that's fine with me because it's in a different context and it's the same developers and everything. Um, but there are a lot of things that are more specific to what you're doing at the moment. So, it's a lot of fun. It's got the same level of charm as Deep Rock, even though uh, it's not 
you know, the same game. It's still got a lot of those things that make Deep Rock really special and make the three of us and many millions of other people love it. Uh, I'm excited to see where they go with it. The one thing I will say that I will be disappointed if they never do is making it co-op because this is the type of game. I mean, Deep Rock is obviously like you can play it solo, but that obviously shines when you're playing it with a full crew. And I feel like Survivor, you know, they'll have to do a lot of tweaks to get it to the point where it can have co-op. But Deep Rock Survivor is absolutely perfect as a single player game, and it would only add to it and make it better and, and way more fun as a multiplayer game. Because I feel like with Deep Rock Galactic the original, you can play solo and it's fine. You're having a good time, but, you know, you're still solo and it's you're not getting the, the tools and equipment all the other players have. With Deep Rock Survivor, you can play it solo. You never have to worry about having another crew, another person on your crew, but having other people on your crew would just be so much fun, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, five stars, 10 out of 10, whatever you want to call it, early access or not, this is this is as good as a finished product to me. I mean, I have seen some some spots where it's like I'm going to select the power up and it says like insert text. And as soon as I hover over that, like it fills it in, like, you know, they just haven't fixed that bug yet or whatever, but that's not a lot to complain about for me. So I'm having a blast with it. I love it. And like I said, it is a great handheld game. So either Steam Deck or whatever they eventually bring it, this would be an easy game to port to Switch, in my opinion. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to do that once they launch into for a full release. But Dave, now for the real meat of the show here. The, Wait, the thing well, you all, all came looking... here to see, which is yeah. my new my new GameCube purchases, which... Uh, oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah. This this yeah, goes back to my uh, uh, I'm gonna finish with this. Um, this goes back to one of my resolutions, which was to purchase at least five physical games uh, throughout the year. So I got three. So I just want to quickly show what I got. Um, Soul Calibur Two on Nintendo GameCube. Um, this game, uh, I I do not play fighting games. I I I think I played some of a Tekken game once. But the reason why I wanted to get this game. Um, was because uh, I really I remember when this game came out and thinking it was so cool that there were three different versions of Soul Calibur and each one had its own guest character in the game. So obviously the GameCube one has Link in it. He's on the cover there. The PlayStation one had like Hihachi from Tekken, which I thought was wild because it's like that's a competing sort of uh, fighting game. And then uh, the Xbox version had Spawn. Um, so yeah, back in the day when like you could get three completely different games on on different platforms, and this is a game that uh, kind of reminded me of that. Uh, the second game is Resident Evil. This is the remake uh, on GameCube. Uh, this is probably the one I'm most looking forward to playing um, because I've never played the remake. So yeah, that's cool. And then uh, Resident Evil 4, a GameCube classic. Obviously the first place that Resident Evil 4 launched. Um, I did play this, so I don't know if I'm going to rush to play it, but I think it's cool to have if you're collecting uh, GameCube titles. And I like it too because it's not the player's choice. It's just the sort of vanilla. Um, yeah, so that's It's that. so funny to me that Resident Evil 4 was birthed on the Nintendo console. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Remember that chainsaw controller that it launched with? Yes, yes. <laughs> Cool. I don't think I ever held one, but I remember seeing it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you guys next week. Wow, that's it, Dave. Huh? You don't have anything <laughs> else to talk about. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, Skull and Bones. I almost did not play Skull and Bones, and I'll tell you why. I was aware that this game was... Uh, it had online elements. I did not realize that PlayStation Plus was required in order to play this game. So I purchased the game on Friday. I downloaded it, and I went to boot it up, and it said PlayStation Plus is required. 
Boys, I was prepared to come on the show today and say, I'm sorry, I agreed to buy a Skull and Bones, but not a PlayStation Plus subscription. Um, the reason I'm telling you this is just as a little PSA, um, probably more of a reminder for people, but because Sony is scummy, uh, if you download a game from the PlayStation store, you cannot return it. Um, they offer return reasons such as you changed your mind. You're not satisfied with the product, but I don't know how it's possible to use those reasons to return something when they won't let you download it. Steam, as we know, uh, you can download, install, and play a game for up to two hours on Steam and still return it. So I don't know why Sony does that, um, but I did. Phys- I actually tried to return Skull and Bones because I was so upset about the PlayStation Plus thing. So wait, wait. I want to know what would have happened. This is a little bit getting into the weeds here, but so you had a resolution that you were going to fail. So you made another resolution that you then did fail, and you... <laughs> Uh, had a, a punishment for that that you changed out the punishment to for your punishment to be to play Skull and Bones and you were going to fail that one as well. What happens after that? Does the entire universe collapse? It's moot because I I, I I'm playing the game and I I'm, I mean I'm, it's moot for this time. But what happens when Brandon eventually plays the Call of Duty? <laughs> but I was prepared to come in and and say you know what I'm at the mercy of you guys. But that kind of pissed me off. So yeah. I, I, I understand. I understand that for sure. Maybe we'll have to talk about it at some point. But um, yeah, Skull and Bones. Um, I'm I'm here to tell you guys that I'm really enjoying Skull and Bones. Um, I'm still early days. I'm about six or seven hours, but I think that's enough time to kind of grasp whether or not you're going to love or hate something. And um, I am aware of some of the um, reactions and reviews that are going around online and. Um, I, I think some of it's fair. I think some of it is just because people like to beat up on Ubisoft and this game has had kind of a weird development cycle, but you're not here to listen to me talk about what other think, people think. But um, yeah, Skull and Bones is is something I'm having a lot of fun with. Um, I think it's exactly what Ubisoft promised us 100 years ago when they said what we're going to deliver is a game that is focused solely on sailing and the sailing experience, and it's going to be much more fleshed out. And it's not going to be Black Flag 2. Um, you know, there's nothing, you know, you are never getting off your ship to fight other people in anything other than your ship. You are getting off your ship sometimes to walk around and talk to vendors and look for treasure and stuff like that. But otherwise, the ship is your main character. And I think that's great. Uh, I love just sailing around, listening to sea shanties. I've had sea shanties stuck in my head all week, as you may have been able to tell from the show. But, um, what I what I really like about Skull and Bones is is it when I played Black Flag and Rogue Assassin's Creed Rogue, everything you were going to get from the naval experience you got from basically the two or three mission tutorial that you would have got. Yes, you could improve your guns and make them stronger. You could add more armor so you could fight bigger ships. But really, the the crux of what you were going to be doing in the naval combat you got like very early on, and that was it. Whereas with skull and bones, like there is so much to customize and do. There are so many different kinds of guns and armaments that you can attach to your ship and everyone has to be used completely different. They all have different types of ammo. Um, and they're all good for different kinds of situations. So it's, it's a game I can see myself really, you know, 20, 25, 30 hours still kind of unlocking new stuff, um, and learning new things. Um, the other thing I noticed about Skull and Bones is I found that Ubisoft has tried to kind of shoehorn some of their existing franchises into 
this games as a service model. And it, to me, it hasn't really worked. Like I don't care to purchase, you know, 10 new outfits for, um, for Eivor and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That was probably the worst offender, but in something like skull and bones, like there are so many different pieces of your ship and your crew and your captain and the little pet that you have standing beside you on a perch that you can customize and change up. And I, I just, I'm already hooked on the way my character kind of looks and I don't normally do that in these kind of games. So I think this sort of games as a service genre actually really fits skull and bones. Well, just because of how many different, you know, combinations of things you can kind of throw together. And, and, you know, when you're driving by another ship, you want to pull out your, your spyglass and see what, you know, the other ship looks like and the different things they've done. Um, so I think that's really cool. I also am, I, it's, it's as much as I didn't want to buy PS plus for it. I understand why it is a requirement because it is very much, reminding me of destiny where, you know, you're sailing out in the open world and there's players everywhere doing other stuff and you can just drive by them, watch what they're doing, or you can join in. Um, you can, you can fight kind of uh, harder boss enemies that just kind of spawn in anywhere. Um, the plundering is really cool where if you see a settlement on, on land, you can actually choose to interact with that settlement and buy stuff from them, or you can just rob all their shit and it spawns this like really long mission where you have to hold your ground and take out towers as they and ships as they come in while your crew who's on land is actually plundering the uh, the outpost. So it's all really fun. It's all really intense. Um, there's a couple things I don't like about it. Uh, from a presentation standpoint, it's kind of rough. It's got really, really bad pop-in. Um, as you're driving along, um, in the water, if you look out onto the coast, you'll see pop in everywhere. Um, so that's, that's kind of more of an annoying thing than it is a game breaker to me. Um, somehow Ubisoft is getting worse at voice acting and facial animation. I don't know why, but like some of the face and, um, you know, face capture stuff you'll see in this game is, is, is really outdated and not good, but I don't care because when I'm driving around in my ship and, and just doing random stuff around the world, I'm having a great time. So, um, I'm enjoying skull and bones. Um, I, I kind of understand why it's getting some hate, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the game so far. Again, I'm still fairly early, maybe in another 10 hours or so I'll hate it or be bored. But, uh, as it stands now, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the game. So, Dave, what about Skull and Bones do you think took them 17 years to make? Uh, I think they restarted about four and a half years ago, and that shows. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, that's all it was. It's And we've seen this before. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, yeah. I think there's a good game there, and I, I'm seeing other people enjoy it um, when I'm actually playing, yeah. and I, I hope, you know, despite some of the ritual that, that Ubisoft games get, that enough people give this game a shot, because... I think there are a lot of people out there who would enjoy this kind of thing. It is a very different experience than, you know, your run of the mill open world shooter or hack and slash action game or something. You know, we haven't had games like this since obviously Rogue and Black Flag. And I'm, I'm, it's, it's a separate thing from Sea of Thieves. That is a different experience, but, um, I think it's, it's worth trying at least on, on a Ubisoft subscription service or something if it comes to game pass. Um, but again, I paid full price for it and I'm happy with my purchase. So yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm sorry to say I'm having a good time with Skeleton. Copium. Well, Dave, let me tell <laughs> you a little secret, you know, just me and you and Brandon here, nobody else listening in, of course. Um, but 
I do want to play Skull and Bones, and I've always maintained that I, I'm interested in checking it out. And I'll give you another little dirty secret. I'm I'm actually not... I actually like Ubisoft games. Now, I don't want an Ubisoft experience all the time. I don't want to always have a million map markers where I got to go look at stuff and find things. But, like, generally, I do need, like, a good palate cleanser every now and then. And I consider Ubisoft games like a good palate cleanser where it's just like... Okay, I don't have to think. I'm just going to the next map marker and doing the thing. Um, but I want to play Skull and Bones. I just do not want to pay full price. Kind of in the same way that I want to play Suicide Squad. Because it, I think there could be some fun there. But I will not pay $70 for that game. Um, now, I, I, I put Skull and Bones higher on my priority list than, than uh, Suicide Squad by far. But there's something about it that, that, I, that it does attract me. But not enough to dive in like you have. So I'm happy to hear that you paid full price for it and you're enjoying it, even though I will not do that. Thank you for letting me live vicariously through you. Are you, uh, you going to platinum it, Dave? Um, I haven't looked at the list yet, but as trophies have been popping, I've been thinking that this would be a fun game for me to platinum. Um, so yeah, I think I might look into that. One more question. I know there is... Obviously, like you said, you have to have PlayStation Plus or you know whatever online service you're using. But um, have you experienced any of the multiplayer yet, or is it mostly just been like a shared world kind of thing? Just shared world stuff, okay. um, which has been some of the most fun things um, I've done. Um, just kind of jumping yeah. in and seeing shit going on over there, going to check it out, and and getting into a pretty pretty epic nautical battle. Um, nice. So yeah, cool. Well. That's that's what we got. That's it. That's, that's it. it for the show. Thanks everybody for checking in. We'll hang out for a few minutes after this, but the audio version listeners are you're done. Sorry. You don't get the real the real bonus content here from the end of the show. But um don't forget you can support us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. You can also hang out with us in our Discord for free over at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. We appreciate you. We'll see you next Tuesday. Hopefully we're back on track. Uh, we'll probably have some information to talk about from the Nintendo Direct tomorrow, but uh, it probably won't be real exciting because they're not going to talk about the Switch 2 being delayed. How dare you? And they're certainly... Yeah. All right. We'll see you later. The HP Podcast is sponsored by our proud patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following members are at the $5 level and we appreciate their contribution. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Grabalicious, Benji Bop, and Link.